That's actually coming out. Pastors of L.A., that's amazing, isn't it? Reality show. You know, something struck me about that towards the end, how they all said something like, you know what I'm really, uh, what's the best thing to me, the best part of this is helping people, watching people transform and all that kind of stuff. And I actually believe that's their best thing. That's what they, they believe inside. But why the cameras? Why uh, does it have to be a reality show? We all know reality shows aren't reality. Are you going to act very real in your house if you know cameras are all around the place and that the world is going to see? <laughs> I doubt it. I know I wouldn't. But that's, that's what we tend to do a lot of times is do the show, put on a show. And uh, we're talking about that today. We're talking about hiding your holiness, not putting it on display. We're continuing in this series about Jesus uh, giving us a sermon, giving the people a sermon on the mount. We've reached chapter 6 of Matthew, and we're going to go through the first 18 verses today. Here's how Jesus starts. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now watch this. In the first week of this series, here's what Jesus said. This is what we studied. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In today's text, he seems to be saying exactly the opposite. He says, be generous, but do it secretly. Pray secretly. When you fast, don't let anybody know you're doing it. How can we let our light shine before people if at the same time we're supposed to do all of our good deeds in secret? How do we do that? How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Jesus is talking about two different things. In chapter 5, he's referring to works of service that benefit other people. Kind of what these guys said is their top job, what they really like the most, helping other people. In chapter 6 here, he's talking about spiritual devotion. That when done publicly, tends to glorify ourselves. There are a bunch of spiritual disciplines in the Bible that were taught. But Jesus points out three here. He uses three for examples. And these are things that God wants us to observe. But he wants us to do it quietly, without fanfare, without self-congratulations. The disciplines he talks about are giving, prayer, and fasting. So we're going to go through all three of those today. That's what we're hovering around, those three things. The first one is giving. For first century Jews... Charitable giving and righteousness were one and the same. In fact, the same Hebrew word, let's see if I can say this, tzedakah, tzedakah, the same word is used for almsgiving and for righteousness. Same word. To be generous was to be righteous. To be righteous was to be generous. Therefore, it became the habit of some to publicize their giving. So they could look righteous. 
spiritual. Here's an example. In ancient days in the Eastern world, water was so scarce that sometimes it had to be purchased. Most of the time it had to be bought. When a man wanted to do good, he would purchase water and tell the water carrier to give a drink to all those who would be thirsty. The water carrier would cry out, All who are thirsty, come and drink. As the poor came to receive water, the man who would purchase the water would stand nearby and say, Bless me who gave you this drink of water. Today, thousands of years later, we're no less subtle with our generosity. Today, when the super rich decide to let go of some of their fortune, they often announce it with press releases. They do interviews on TV about it. In the church, some people can be just as self-serving. I've seen it happen. People have looked me right in the eye and said, Now, Pastor, we plan on giving a lot of money to this church, so I want you to listen to me. I'm serious. More than once. More than once. Jesus is telling us that the purpose of giving is not to build up ourselves, but to build up others. Listen to his words about it. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Have you ever received public recognition for generosity? Feels good. There's no question about it. That feels really good to hear somebody say, you know, without you, we would have never been able to do that. There's an emotional reward there, isn't it? Emotional reward for eye-catching generosity. But Jesus says there's even a greater reward for those who give quietly. It's a question of who you want to keep the books with your generosity. People or God. If you let people keep the books, you will get some recognition. A little applause there, a pat on the back here. But if you want God to keep those books, Jesus is saying you'll be rewarded so much more. Here's three principles of giving generously. Keep these in mind. Number one, you're never too poor to give. If you're struggling to get by and you give to God's work, or you give to someone who is struggling a little bit more than you, other people may not notice, but God will, and he will bless your generosity. You may not have much, but you have something to give. You always have something. The second principle of giving generously is that it ought to be sacrificial. It shouldn't just be all that easy. Sacrificial. There's no set amount that people have to give to be spiritual. But in mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this. If our charities do not at all pinch or ham hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Another way this rule is expressed is give until it hurts. 
You've heard that? Give until it hurts. I've noticed that when it comes to that, some of us have a very low threshold of pain. <laughs> Here's the third principle for giving generously. It is to be self-determined. Nobody needs to tell you what to give. I once heard this person say that owning a million-dollar home would be just too extravagant. He thought that $200,000 ought to be plenty, sufficient, and then you give the rest to the poor. This was interesting to me because I knew the house he owned probably cost about $200,000. So he was probably saying in so many words, everyone who lives better than I do should come down to my level and then give away the rest. But what happens to the person that lives in a $90,000 house? What happens to the person who can't buy a house at all? Should we all go down to that level and then keep going down and keep going? Here's the point. Instead of worrying about how much those who are more affluent than us give, we should worry about ourselves, what we give. There will always be people richer than we are. Every time you turn around, there'll be somebody richer. But we don't need to worry about them. We need to worry about ourselves. Here's what Paul says. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. Preachers don't like that. If you don't want to give, don't give. That's what Jesus said. And then he goes on and says, you shouldn't give because you're forced to. If you ever feel that we're twisting your arm, come talk to me. Because I sure hope we're not ever communicating that. Here's what God loves. A cheerful giver. It's not going to be a message on giving, but I've got all kinds of messages on giving, and there are so many benefits for giving. But so many times we hear that as arm twisting. If you give, you'll get back. Maybe it won't be in money. Maybe it's something else, but God doesn't want us to give under compulsion. He wants us to give because we love giving. And giving is a private matter. I know there's tax stuff and we send you year-end reports, so somebody knows, but obviously that's not the point is to get everybody to know. And it shouldn't be your point either. You shouldn't brag about what you give. It's not for others to judge you or reward you. That's God's job. Well, after talking about giving, Jesus talks about prayer. Prayer, another spiritual discipline. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who, does, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He goes on. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. Like, like more words means the prayer is going to be better. They think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. Terry and Josh and I were at our community pool one day in Georgia. It wasn't real crowded, but there were a few people around having a good time. Suddenly, 3 p.m. sharp, 
these two women and their daughter hit their knees and started praying. Everyone who noticed kind of felt uncomfortable being loud then, you know. So it probably slowed down a little bit then until they were over. Then we all resumed our activities. I'm not sure what religion they are, but apparently this was their custom to stop where they are, stop what they're doing, and pray, regardless of where they are. Now, this is a little uncommon in America. You probably feel, wow, that would be uncomfortable, wouldn't it? It, it happens, but it's uncommon here. Not in the first century church, not in first century Israel. It wasn't unusual at all. The Jews had a high standard for ritualized prayer. They took it seriously. In the process, however, many of them missed the point of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to impress others with your own spirituality. The purpose of prayer is to draw nearer to God. Instead of being a private act of worship, it became a public demonstration of piety back in Israel. Prayer became, in many ways, a performance. This attitude has spilled over in the church today. Some people feel awkward about praying out loud. You probably know some of them. Maybe you are one. And the number one reason they feel that way is because they feel like their words need to be profound and, and they need to be eloquent with all their words and say, God, <laughs> instead of God. <laughs> okay? The church staff I worked with in Tampa, we went out to lunch one day. We had a new youth pastor at the time. And we just asked him to go ahead and bless the meal. Well, I guess being new, he felt compelled to impress us with the, his moving devotion. So he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. He thanked God for flowers and trees. He thanked God for the missionaries overseas. He, he picked a couple of Old Testament prophets out and prayed for those saints. Everything he could think of, he prayed. He finally said amen. And our associate pastor at that point said, Oh yes, and P.S., God, please bless this food. <laughs> the guy had so eloquently mentioned everything except what we asked him to pray for. He didn't really impress any of us. We all had a good laugh about it, but you see what happens. Jesus said that prayer isn't about being eloquent. It's about sharing privately what's on your heart with your heavenly father. He says, just go into your room, close the door, and talk to me, and listen for me. Then Jesus goes on to say, don't keep babbling. Don't just pray and pray and pray all these words. Don't be like those hypocrites. Prayer is a private matter. You don't need to impress God either. You know, if, if the only time you pray is in church, you are missing out on so much. That's where we really get close to God, in those private times. Right after this, Jesus gives us a model prayer. A model prayer. Not necessarily the prayer to pray. It's a model. We refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. The power of this prayer is not in the words it's in the attitude of the heart, just like giving. The attitude of the heart. This is not a complex prayer because prayer isn't meant to be complex. I once went to a seminar, a weekend seminar, and uh, 
the teaching mostly was teaching how to pray the Lord's Prayer. While we were there, it occurred to me, you know, Jesus didn't take a whole weekend to teach this. It took him a couple of minutes, and he taught people how to pray. You don't have to go to seminary to learn how to pray. You just pray. No matter who you are or where you are in your spiritual life, you can pray to God. The Lord's Prayer kind of teaches us how. Here are five things that we can pray. And all I'm doing is using the model of the Lord's Prayer. We can start praying to God with praise and adoration, our love toward Him. Hallowed be thy name. We can pray for the needs of other people and our own needs. Give us this day our daily bread. We can pray for the forgiveness of our sins. And we can pray that we uh, can be helped to forgive others who do things against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We can pray for strength to live a holy life, to live a pure life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Prayer is not a performance. It's not public. It's private. You don't impress God either with your lofty words. You impress him with the attitude of your heart. Prayer is a private matter. Well, after giving, uh, after Jesus talks about giving, after he talks about prayer, he talks about fasting. We don't talk a lot about fasting. But it's very clear that Jesus expects us to do it. He didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. But again, as with prayer and giving, the purpose of fasting is not to draw attention to ourselves. It's not to impress others. The purpose for fasting is to draw closer to God. Here's what Jesus says. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Can't you just see them? Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I'm hungry. I've been fasting, but, but God loves it. I, I can just hear these guys bragging about fasting. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Get some perfume on there. Wash your face. So it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want to give you three benefits of fasting. I'm not doing a whole message on fasting, but it's one of the disciplines. Here's three benefits. Fasting teaches self-discipline. We don't like that. We don't like to discipline ourselves. But it teaches you to do that. I don't think I have to convince anyone that we have a tendency to indulge ourselves with food. Ringleader right here. I love food. I love to eat. Fasting prevents us from becoming slaves to our appetites. It teaches us that we are not powerless from pizza. We're not. There are more important things in life than the next meal. 
Did you hear that, David? Yes, I did. Okay? Here's another benefit. Fasting proves that we mean business. In the Old Testament, fasting was often accompanied with repentance. When King David was repenting of his sin with Bathsheba, he demonstrated that repentance through fasting. When Daniel was praying for the forgiveness of people in his nation, he demonstrated that with prayer, with fasting. When the people of Nineveh heard Jonah, when they finally heard him preaching, he was preaching repentance, and they repented by saying, let's all fast. The whole country, the whole town fasted. Fasting is an act of sacrifice. And it says, Lord, I'm serious about this. I mean business. Here's another benefit. Fasting helps us straighten out our priorities. When we experience hunger, we can relate and we become more compassionate to people who are starving to death all around the world. In the biblical history, fasting is always linked with prayer. The purpose of fasting is not to hear our stomach growl. It's to give us an opportunity to draw closer to God, to become more holy, maybe to become more compassionate. And it's like the other disciplines we've looked at today. It's private. You don't have to let people know you're doing it. Three times in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says, if you do these things before people, you have your reward in full, which isn't a whole lot. Maybe a pat on the back. The purpose of spiritual discipline is not to impress the public. It is to become closer to God. Giving, praying, fasting. A lot of them, all of them. These things are not to be performed publicly, but privately. So, hence the title of this message. Hide your holiness. Don't brag about your holiness. Because we all probably come very short. A friend of mine had a plaque in his office. It said, when I do something right, no one remembers. When I do something wrong, no one forgets. <laughs> you know, God is exactly the opposite of that. When we do something wrong, he forgives us. And better than that, he forgets. When we say, God, I'm so sorry I did this, he says, I forgive you, and then he forgets. How do you do that? How do you intentionally forget something? But God does it. And when we do something right, he sees us, and he rewards us accordingly. I believe some of that reward is so big, we can't handle it right now, so he's waiting until we get to heaven. God has our resume on file. He has our resume on file. And you know, the things that we've asked for forgiveness, he takes those out of the resume. The good stuff stays there. He knows what we've done. We don't have to broadcast every good thing we do. We don't have to send God our latest press release. When we offer our service our devotion to him without any motive of public recognition. He sees and he rewards 
And that's all that should matter to us. Let's pray to that end. Father God, you are called humble. You were a man of sorrow. You were, you were beaten. You were mocked. You went to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter without a word. You were humble. You did your devotions to God quietly. That's why there's not a whole lot of detail, I'm sure, God, in how you really talked to God. There was a few prayers. And even that, you said you did it for people's sake so they could learn. Lord, we need your help. We, we need our life song to be sung to you and no one else. So help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to hide our holiness and be satisfied with that. Be glad to be private with you. And we pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.